to the Batmobile. Let's go. Come on, Bob, for old times' sake, huh? Harley Quinn, nice to meet you. <laughs> That's like my favorite Marvel character ever, but you should never meet your heroes because honestly, he's a bit of a dick. Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Cat. Right, welcome everybody to episode 89 of the Comics in Motion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion, the show where we like to review movies and TV shows that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also like to do is we also like to spoil the hell out of everything we review. So if you haven't watched our Choice of the Week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution, which is easy for me to say. (laughs) And remember, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. Now, Chris, we've gone for something slightly different this week. We've gone for something that's off the beaten track of Marvel and DC. And we're going to be looking at a bit of Cowboys and Aliens. Now, I'll start off with a bit of comics background and say this is a little bit different to pretty much all of the previous episodes that we've done. Now, this is based on a graphic novel which came out in 2006. It's 105 pages. But the creator, Scott Mitchell Rosenberg, from what I can tell, he was essentially trying to sell the film rights. And he had this kind of idea, and one of his employees came up with this title of Cowboys and Aliens. And so I think, honestly, I think the grand plan was always to make this a movie. You know, the film came out in 2011, didn't it? Having a graphic novel come out in 2006, you just don't have that. There's not enough time to really uh, go through that film development process. So the story is actually written by a guy called Fred Van Lent and also Andrew Foley. And the art is by Dennis Calero and Luciano Lima. Now, and it's colored by Andrew Elder as well. So like I say, it's 105 pages. They were accused, so this was this was brought out as part of uh, Platinum Studios, and they did a bit of gaming of the system. They seemed to create this deal with Top Cow Productions, and what they were trying to do was basically make it very, very cheap. So they released it at $4.99 when, you know, to buy a graphic novel is usually a lot more expensive than that, even if it's been out for a while. So, again, this didn't go unnoticed, and they were accused of trying to game the system to try and make it seem like it was a lot more popular than it actually was. And so, um, yeah, a little bit different. We don't have, you know, 70 years of backstory like a Batman, Superman, or, you know, more recently Spider-Man and what have you. This is very much um, a graphic novel that was intended to become a movie. Now, Chris, how about the movie background? 
Yeah, well, obviously the film came out around 2011. The development actually started in 1997. Universal and DreamWorks bought the rights to it, which was pitched by Scott Mitchell Rosenberg as like a concept. Uh, he was actually a former president at Malibu Comics. So he described it as a graphic novel in development around then, but it was something that was pitched around for nearly 13 years, really, till it started production. 14, obviously, till it hit the screens. Now, Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford were both cast in the movie. Originally, it was actually Robert Downey Jr. who'd signed up for this film, and he was actually going to play a character called Zeke Jackson, but he had to bow out. Now, while he was filming Iron Man 2, he told John Favreau about the project, and Favreau sought out and investigated the whole thing, and actually ended up joining as a director. But sadly, in 2010, Downey Jr. actually left the project. I don't think he actually did any filming, which is a bit of a shame. Now... Daniel Craig actually wore, Dave, a fedora, very similar to what Indiana Jones wore. And that was a little tip of the hat, literally, sorry for the pun, guys, uh, to their movies. They didn't want Harrison Ford wearing the same style of hat because obviously it'd be just too much of an Easter egg and too confusing. Now, the idea behind the film was James Bond meets Indiana Jones. Now, I'm definitely going to get into this later on, Dave. Don't you worry about that. But yes, I can see it because of the characters. I may become quite unpopular after this episode, but we will see. Now, obviously, because of the Indiana Jones link, they were worried about the portrayal of Harrison Ford in this. Now, he did try and play a slightly different character, but again, I am chomping at the bit to get into this, Dave, with the um, review. Now, Steven Spielberg, who was one of the exec producers, actually visited the set, the directors and writers, and actually um, looked over the scripts and the artwork, and he actually gave John Favreau a collection of classic westerns to watch. So they actually sat everyone down and did some private screenings to try and give it that authentic western feel to it. Now, it, this is where it goes downhill rapidly, sadly. On a, it had a budget of a hundred and sixty-three million. Now, it only made Dave worldwide a hundred and seventy-four, nearly hundred and seventy-five million. So it was an absolute financial flop. Which there was never going to be any sequels from this at all. Now, John Favreau, as we know, is a great director. Well, recent times anyway. So it was a bit of a shame for him. Now it opened. Not too bad, to be fair. It opened like hundred million, but it just it just didn't go any further. Internationally, it only made seventy four million, so it was just a complete flop, and it sort of fell by the wayside. Any talk of a sequel now, critically, it's at on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at forty five percent based on two hundred and fifty reviews. But again, the user rating is slightly higher than what the critics say. It's five point five nine out of ten. On Metacritic's right, slap in the middle, 50% out of 100 or 41 reviews. And the old Cine score, it's at a B, which is an A plus to an F scale. Uh, and that's all I've got today, Dave, for the movie background. Oh, very good. Well, shall we go into our trailer? I need to know where you came from. So do I. We need you. What is that thing? Why are you asking me? Because you shot it. We need every gun we can get. 
And then you're gonna wipe us out. Who is she? She's the only one who knows who I am. You know who you are. You just have to remember. Grab your guns. We're right now. Come on! We gotta get our people out! We have one advantage. They underestimate you. So we step in. Looks like he's doing fine. Now we open up, we get Daniel Craig, who's playing Jake Lonergan, waking up and he's got no memory of where he is. He's back in 1873 in the Wild West there and he's surrounded by a bunch of local hooligans of the time and um, they try to rough him up, but he's got this little weird device that's attached to his arm. So before we get deeper into it, Chris, what do you make to the whole opening of this movie? I really like it, Dave. I think I grew up watching a lot of Westerns and these sort of movies. And it's very, you know, I mentioned in the background there regarding what Spielberg had done and give him a lot of old movies. And I'm sure the cast and crew were watching old Clint Eastwood movies as point of reference, various others. You know, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid is actually one that's referenced quite a lot in this, Dave, that they actually used influence from. So it opens absolutely on point. I mean, some of my favourite sort of Western films are Unforgiven. You've got uh, Tombstone, which is Wyatt Kurt Russell. So I think it takes a lot of that. And I think it does help. One thing they were trying to get away from is they didn't want it being comedy. And why they liked the fact that Daniel Craig and Indiana Jones, sorry, 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 should, should I say um, Han Solo? Han Solo. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, Harrison Ford, Dave. Um, yeah, he, um, they, they are very gritty people. So they're not used to, playing comedy it's always like one-liners or so they wanted that seriousness to the characters and i'll be completely honest i actually like the cowboy stuff more than the other things but i'm not going to blow me load that much to be honest day but i actually come away from this thinking i wish they'd just done it as a cowboy film really but anyway yes it starts off very very well to be for me now, I think around this time, you do have a lot of mashup type concepts, don't you? You had like Alien versus Predator coming out around about the same time. And it, it just seemed to be just another one of those concepts, you know, throwing it for me, it was a cowboy movie. You just happen to have aliens in there as well. They didn't really focus on the aliens too much. Um, and full disclosure, I, I w- had to watch this twice because... I was watching it the first time, but I wasn't really paying attention. I was kind of distracted and it got to like halfway point of the movie. And I'm just thinking, ah, oh, this is rubbish, you know, but then after I was reflecting after I was thinking, no, hang about, I, I wasn't actually paying much attention to it. I was kind of multitasking, you know, or attempting to multitask, but failing. And so I thought, no, I, to do it justice, I've got to properly, you know, sit down and watch it. And I have to say, I, I did enjoy it a lot more on that second rewatch. Now, I like the way it opens. I like that idea that, um, you know, you've got this cowboy just waking up and he's got no idea of what's happened. So you're kind of looking at it through his eyes because you're, you just don't know what's going on. But it's hard 
to not just see James Bond, to be honest. And it's not just the fact that it's the actor, Daniel Craig. Apart from, you know, he's obviously putting on an American accent, he just acts like James Bond, you know, and he's just got, uh, you know, there's no doubt in him at all. He always thinks he's the hardest bloke in the room. He's always got a plan, you know, even though he's got no memory, he still knows he's a bit of a badass, clearly. So I, I don't know. I, I just felt it was definitely James Bond on the screen. Yeah, I, I, I totally get it. I think around this time, he just made Quantum of Solace as well, Dave. So he was totally in there and typecast for me as James Bond. And you know how much I like Daniel Craig as James Bond. I think he's my favourite with Roger Moore, without a doubt. I say love him. But I have more of a problem with what you were saying about him, with Harrison Ford, Dave. I'm going to be controversial now. And, and I know we reviewed, guys, so get over there. VHS Strikes Back, on our podcast. We reviewed Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I was a little bit prejudice towards him because he's always going to be Han Solo for me. Maybe if I'd watch in the Indiana Jones films first, I might have thought he was Indiana Jones and not Han Solo. But has he ever played any other part than Han Solo, Dave? I'm talking about, I just think he's one of the most generic and wooden actors that gets a pass because he was in Star Wars. He's not really a good actor. I know in The Fugitive, and I know we spoke privately, he was quite good in that with Tommy Lee Jones because he was the doctor in it and stuff. But he's not really done a lot of good films, really, Dave, other than this. But he has this level of importance to me. And I've always liked Harrison Ford. I don't dislike him, and I don't like Blade Runner. I never have. But he's just Han Solo, and it's the same character over and over. And in this film, you might as well have just give him um, the Millennium Falcons will ride around on Dave because he's no different than Han Solo as he is at Indiana Jones. Now, I know that's controversial because he, <laughs> he is acting royalty. So I'm happy to have my resignation in at the door, Dave. But I, I think as much as you say about Daniel Craig, I'm probably more forgiving of Daniel Craig because he, other than Layer Cake, I'd, not, I'd seen him in a couple of things like Sliding Doors. And I remember our friends up north he was in from the 90s which sort of propelled him into the, the, the sort of conscious of people in the UK and give him a platform to grow as an actor. But I like Daniel Craig a lot and I don't dislike Harrison Ford. I love Han Solo and everything. But for me, Dave, I was just like, it's so James Bond and Indiana Jones stroke Han Solo. It's not even funny. More Han Solo than Indiana Jones because Indiana Jones isn't an arse and he starts off this film and he's a bit of an arse, isn't he? A bit of a, a bad guy, really. Yeah. and a bit racist. Well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> that doesn't help him, does it? But yeah, so I, absolutely, I, I, you know, I guess Harrison Ford has played other characters. He was, he's like the president, isn't he? In uh, is it clear or Air Force One? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think he does play other roles, and I'm not going to agree with you that he's wooden, but I think where he fails a bit is he's just not. Um, he, He's just got no real range. It's always, I mean, you say he's Harrison Ford. Uh, sorry, he's Han Solo because that was the first kind of major character we know him as, you know, and, and watch that movie over and over. But I just think Han Solo, Indiana Jones, you know, they're all just Harrison Ford. And he is a dashing, charming bloke, so he gets away with it. But yeah, I kind of agree that he doesn't have a lot of range and it's difficult not to see the same actor that you've seen lots of times before. Although like say, you know, 
he wasn't a particularly nice character. You know, we meet his son, who's a bit of a douchebag, isn't he? You know, he's trying to terrorize the town, and that that's where we get kind of introduced to him. And you get the impression he's a bit of a local gangster as well. So I think he's trying to play up that this is a, a nastier kind of Harrison Ford that we've seen before. But then by the end, you know, he, he is. He's just Han Solo again. Yeah, and and I'm going to call myself out in the same conversation and say the worst typecast actor ever, and I loved him in Hobbs and Shaw, is The Rock. Because whether you call him (laughs) Steve, Rick, Bill, Bob, he's just The Rock, Dave. Rampage, all these films he's been in, he is San Andreas, he's just The Rock. He even has to throw his moves in there. He's Hobbs in Fast and Furious. So, yes, I just think... I don't know. I just think I wanted a bit more out of him. I think, and 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 I, d- I don't feel, I don't feel I got it. And you said it to me, Dave. And I'm not trying to steal it off you. You said this. So I'm not. You know, I, I'm giving you full credit. But he does play this by numbers. I, I totally agree when you said it to me. I, I, we were talking. I think he just looks at the scripts and just winged it any more than anything. Yeah, he does seem half asleep for the whole movie for me, I, and it's just like. You know, he's obviously been acting for quite a few years now, and I, I I don't know what it was. I couldn't describe to you exactly, you know, why do I think that, but he just seems kind of half interested. And, and yeah, I, I, I thought, you know, obviously if they're going for James Bond slash Han Solo, then, then they pretty much nailed it. But, you know, I, I think that could have been a different character and, and might have brought you into the movie a bit more there. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I mean, like I say, he's not the only one. I'm not saying Daniel Craig's pulled off an Oscar-winning performance. He, he is obviously the main guy in the film. He's Jake Lonergan, who's lost his memory. The, the, no one knows who he is. And he, like I say, he kicks his son in the um, in the balls, shall we say, Dave? Because that's where he kicks him and, and takes him out. And then we all sort of, hell breaks loose, doesn't it? You know, Jake gets taken by, uh, they get put in jail, sorry, and Jake gets sort of taken by the sheriff and they're going to ferry off his son. Um, what's he called in this, actually? I keep calling him Han Solo. It's bad that. That's bad to show that, really. But his character... Um, He's Woodrow Dollarhide. Oh, yeah. Wood, Dollar, Wood, Dollar Woodrow Dollarhide. Dollarhide, sorry. And he comes into town then, doesn't he, to sort of save his son and everything and tells the sheriff you need to, you know, get him out and stuff. And then, and then obviously, we do actually get to meet don't we, the aliens, and they, they, they come and take his son away and various other people. We've got the, the barman's wife, she goes, and the barman's obviously a bit of a a, a Quaker, isn't he? He's not into violence, doesn't have to use a gun. He's been bullied by his son. Yeah, I do like, I mean, that's he's played by Sam Rockwell, and I, I must admit, I mean, he, he's been in loads of things, hasn't he? But, you know, Iron Man 2, uh, I think he's, he's pretty funny in that. But I, I do find myself kind of drawn to him when he's on the screen i i kind of look in to see what he's doing i I thought he played a decent character actually yeah he did he's very convincing one is this nervous sort of gun shy barman who's obviously been bullied he's a doctor in he as well on the side so yeah so so i think the setting of a cowboy film honestly i thought it was brilliant i i genuinely was gutted when the aliens are on on the screen and and I just don't think, Dave, it's a great concept. I know somebody, like you said about the Alien versus Predator and some of these crossovers, you know, a la 
Batman v Superman, shall we say, Dave? Maybe slightly a different thing. Off, but we know how that one ended. <laughs> but but it just genuinely it it just doesn't make any sense at all. It just I, I think that the set pieces are fantastic. I think Daniel Craig's good. I think the, the supporting cast is good. It's just one of them ones where as it's plodding along, I just want him to be fighting against Indians. I want him to go up against Harrison Ford's character, and. It, Obviously, they end up being in a team, don't they? Because they've all got to go after these aliens. Yeah. But it's a, it's. I don't know about you, Dale. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I just find it a really, really bizarre idea in a film. I just don't think it works personally. As much as I enjoyed watching the film and I'm watching it as we talk, I, I, I genuinely just don't. I just don't get it. Well, I think what let's get back to the movie in a second, but obviously, you know, you've you've dissed Harrison Ford there. And we did get called out, didn't we, by old Thunder Levin, who's one of the writers for Sharknado. <laughs> who <laughs> responded to us on Twitter because, I, I mean, I tweeted it out to say, you know, how does Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark stand up? And he responded, how does it stand up? Well, it's the closest you'll ever come to making a perfect movie. That's how it stands up. So I think if you're going to diss Harrison Ford, uh, tweet it out from your own account, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dave, we know full well that you're going to be pulling the Homer Simpson gif out, don't we? <laughs> you hide into the hedges. You threw me under the bus in Love Island, so I'm expecting it. Don't you worry. There's going to be a big, big, big finger pointing towards my Twitter account from you in the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I don't thunder. know. I have no idea what he's on about, to be honest. You know, I think he's great. <laughs> I just, I mean, I'm just being honest. I just, you know, I love Harrison Ford's films, but I just think he's fucking wooden. I just think he is. Um, Again, it's it's yeah. not it's not the word I choose. And Chris, I've got to call you out. You know, on our VHS Strikes Back recording, you've gone on about how you love No Retreat, No Surrender Three. That is the worst acting I've ever seen, and you can't <laughs> you can't surely say that Harrison Ford is wooden. I'll have. You know, I'll agree with you that he's he's not got much range, and you just can't help but see the same character on the screen. You know, like you know, some of the actors they're like chameleons, aren't they? They they just you know blend in, and you believe that actor. I think I think what you're saying is because he's not got that much range, you're just seeing the same actor each time. Yeah, typecast, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose you're right, but yeah. don't be dissing No Cheat, No Surrender 3, well, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> no Retreat, No Surrender 3. I'm, I'll keep my powder dry, but I think you hold that one in higher esteem than I do. <laughs> but, you can swear, uh, Dave, if you want. That is, the, that is the understatement of the century. So <laughs> I don't want to swear because, you know, you have to listen to the episode when it comes out. But... That's true. That's true. <laughs> But I think, you know, so, right, I'm going to get a bit abstract now. So the original um, uh, the original Alien by Ridley Scott, right, when, I went back to watch that fairly recently. And the way that builds up the tension, and you don't really see much of the Alien, you know, you get these little hints to it early on in the movie and it just, the tension builds and builds and it's as much, you know, and we've said this in the past about Jaws, haven't we? That, you know, it's the fact that it's when you don't really see the shark and you've seen a bit of the fin and when you finally see the shark, it's like, oh, that looks a bit rubbish. Um, but I think with this one, 
the aliens are just not really compelling. I mean, they you need to build them up uh, as as a serious kind of threat, if you like. And I guess they are a threat, but it's it's as if the baddies, you know, in this context, it's the aliens. They just take a massive back seat and we're completely focused on the heroes. And it's like we always say, you've got to have a really good baddie to really get invested in it. And I just think that is where this film really falls down. And, you know, so we'd we'd got them kind of getting snatched up from the town, hadn't we, where we'd got this sort of standoff between, uh, you know, Daniel Craig, Lonergan, and, and um, uh, Harrison Ford's character, uh, Dollarhide. And then all these aliens, like, you know, War of the World style, just snatch up all these people. We get uh, the Doc's wife. He, she's snatched up as well, Dollarhide's son. So, you know, whereas before we had a classic Western, you know, a little bit of conflict there. Again, I, for me, I don't think the way Lonergan is so sure of himself, even though he's got no idea who he is, you know, it, it doesn't quite add up to me because if you didn't know who you were, even if you were this complete badass, you'd you'd have to be a little bit unsure of yourself, wouldn't you? If you if you don't know anything, so so yeah, I'm not buying that. But when they get snatched up, we've got Olivia Wilde as well, haven't we? Who, who looks lovely on the screen. Um, Ella, Swan- Ella Swenson, she is. And she's a bit mysterious as well, isn't she? We're not really sure what's going on with her. And so I, I on this second watch, I was thinking, oh, no, okay, I get it, I get it. You know, it is a cowboy movie, and we're just seeing something that's a little bit different. We've, we've used the parallel of From Dust Till Dawn in the past, haven't we, that... You know, that was a, a road trip gangster movie. And then halfway in between, it completely changes. And not to spoil it if you haven't seen that. But, you know, and the fact that it changes, it does such a right turn, makes it more shocking. But I think whereas from Dust Till Dawn, that really worked. I'm kind of going to agree with you that I was just never really bought into this as a as a concept that worked. No, and, and I'm, like I say, I'm not saying I don't enjoy it because I... I genuinely, when I watched it the first time, I thought it was an absolute pile of shit. I'll be honest with you. But when I watched it this time, I actually enjoyed it. I thought, you know what? I sort of, I can look beyond the idea and and obviously my little Harrison Ford hating in this film. And I can enjoy it. I think Daniel Craig's good. I think when he's interacting with the cowboys and that, when they go on the chase after the aliens, and I mean... I find it difficult that the Cherokee Indian guy who's part of Dollarhide's sort of group, who, who Dollarhide actually treats like shit, can track these aliens, Dave. They've got spaceships, but they keep coming across like it's some Bugs Bunny cartoon, a footprint or something. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, fuck off. I don't believe it for a minute. So so we've, we've got this thing. And first question would be, all right, you're trying to rescue these people. Why are you going after them? They're obviously physically and they've got the technology stronger than you. But they decide to go on this bit of a chase and we run into Jake's old team who are sort of trying to hold them up. This is a stick up and they're like, uh, one of them's there going, oh, is that you, boss? And and they, they take him, don't they, to their camp. And this yeah. new guy's took over as a bit of a fight with Jake. 
gives him a bit of a kick in. And then obviously Jake's got this wristband on that fires alien technology. And he, for some reason, I don't know, it doesn't really describe how it works. It beeps every now and again when someone's near. It's a bit like a tracking device. But then all of a sudden he can start firing at people, but there's not really an explanation. It's almost like it goes off his aggression and it just... The explanation comes a little bit later. So again, Ella, uh, Olivia Wilde's character, basically said it's powered by your mind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I thought, I must admit, like I say, on the second rewatch, I'm enjoying it a bit more. But when that came and it was like, yeah, it's used by mind powers, I was like, oh, that, yeah, that feels a bit sloppy to me, to be honest. Yeah, I, you know what? And I didn't even pick up on that, Dave. So that's that's terrible. That Let's be honest here. That is fucking rubbish, that, to, to say it, that. It's not good, is it? No, it isn't. It's absolutely awful. And... Obviously, he has a bit of a dust-up. He then ends up firing. He kills the guy, the leader of his gang. And then, what I've got to say, what I found ridiculous was, it was like watching an episode of Bonanza. So he kills the guy. He gets up. The the, the one who held him up, who says, oh, you're always my favourite, Jake, gives him his gun back. They then escape, right? Harrison Ford, all of them. They're only about 30 yards away, and then they chase them. And I'm like, yeah. why didn't you take <laughs> the guns off them and not just leave them on the floor? And it's one of the worst car chase, uh, car chases, worst horse chases ever. But then obviously the, the firing, nobody gets shot or killed or anything. And then all of a sudden the aliens start circling and taking out members of the of the bad like the baddies team. And I was just like, oh, this is this is pretty much of a stretch I've ever seen. It was it, it, it didn't make any sense continuity-wise. I mean, it's like you have a fight with someone who's mugging you. You take the knife off him, you put it on the floor, and you walk five yards away and hope you're going to get away. Well, I'm pretty sure they're going to pick it up and have another go at you or chase you. Or, you know what I mean? Like they just, It was just nonsense, that bit. It really was. It just was to set up the fact that the aliens were going to help you know, uh, Jake and that, not by on purpose, just by uh, thinking they were trying to capture people, weren't they? But again, Dave, they, they looks like the aliens actually look a bit like um, in the Avengers when they come through the portal at the end, the first Avengers assemble, when they're all, all the aliens are on the, the walls and stuff, when the Hulk goes and smashes them up. Oh, the bloody cold. The Chitari. Yeah, they look like them. It looked like John Favreau had just sort of gone. I tell you what, we'll just change it and we'll we'll make them have arms inside the bodies as well, like ET. I was, I just thought they were rubbish. And and this is where Jake ends up on the back of one of the actual alien ships, doesn't he, to, to sort of capture because Ella gets captured. And he goes after one. Now that's a bit of a stretch because that horse run faster than fucking Red Rum. They, <laughs> no way. They, they they were running. That them. Sorry, they were flying the alien ships at about a hundred miles an hour. But this this actual horse could get him on the cliffside and like, oh, kiss my ass. That is not even <laughs> real, is it? You know, it never made sense. That I think, yeah, where I was struggling a bit as well was was exactly what you've just said there. But also, you know, these aliens are huge. You seem to be able with regular bullets, you can shoot them like. 20 times and it just bounces off them like they're the Hulk or something. But yet, you know, this little ragtag group of cowboys and Indians, you know, can uh, can take them on. And I, I was just thinking, oh, no, but it's, it's a bit too much. You know, with the technology of the day, 
against you know this brutal species who's after gold you know and and has mastered interdimensional space travel <laughs> or or at least long distance space travel is just you've got no chance basically i mean the the no. the cowboys and indians would just be cow and just yeah. completely wiped out and and the thing is again if you write it in such a way that you know uh, maybe their backs are up against the wall and somehow you know they manage to get their hands you know arnie style you know in the predator you know he eventually takes out the predator doesn't he but you know he, he works for about 20 minutes at it whereas this it just seems like you know the cowboys and indians get together and then they storm the castle the alien castle and then they defeat them and so it the last act was certainly a bit weak for me, I think. Yeah, it was. And it, I thought it was weak with Ella because Ella gets ca- uh, rescued by Jake and she, they're on like the riverbed and they're about to snog because they're, they're soaking wet and everything. And then the alien actually comes out of the um, the water and actually strikes her and she, she, you know, she ends up dying and stuff. But what I found really bizarre was when they were asking her what they were on Earth for, they were like, Oh, they're after gold. And I'm thinking, and straight away, Dave, I don't know I don't read a lot of comics. You know I don't. I'm thinking, that is so fucking weak. It must have been something where they're following the comics because in the comics, it's they come to Earth to get gold because, like you say, in that era, nobody knew about, there was no nuclear power, electricity wasn't there really or anything like that. It was all in its infancy. All it was powered by was sort of, uh, you know, fuel, water, and things like that. So I'm thinking, all right, there might not be anything, but but that is just fucking weak that they were just harvesting gold. And I genuinely did. I just thought you straight away thinking, I've got to ask Dave this. Is this something that's in the comics? Because that sounds like a shit idea for them to just come down and start doing invasion of the body snatchers and stuff because yeah. it was bobbins, Dave. I've, I've got to be honest, never read this comic. Never really have any kind of uh, ambition to, you know, I mean, there are a lot more great comics that I want to read before I'll get to this one. And like I say, I guess someone might tell me, you know, this is a really good read, but it just seemed to me like it was a comic born out of the fact that they, you know, it's to speed up the development process. You know, so there's loads and loads of scripts and really great ideas that never get out of that development hell. And it just seemed like, you know, especially around about this time, I think 30 Days of Night is another one. You know, it just seemed like someone stumbled across the idea, hang about, let's let's pretend like this is a, a well-known, very popular graphic novel. And then once, once the movie, uh, once the producers and that know that, then they'll be throwing money at it. Because lots of people buy up the rights for scripts and things, but then they'll never make it to see a, an actual to be an actual movie. And so I just again, if someone tells me this is a really great read, then maybe I'll change my view. But yeah, I've got no real intention of reading this one to be honest. Yeah. So we've got the little Robinson Crusoe lad with his telescope who for some reason can that that telescope can look about three miles in front of him, but we have to believe that he's with him and Harrison Ford's character, Dalahide, earlier on had given him, which shown the first sort of real human side to his character because he'd been an arse up to this point, but he actually was eating like an apple or something and then chops a bit off and gives him a knife and he goes, you like that knife, boy? And he's like, mm, yeah. And he goes, 
take good care of it. And I thought, well, that's definitely going to kill an alien later on in the film. Let's not just fucking give half the plot away there, Harrison. I know it's not his fault. It's the writers and the director, but it was so obvious that knife was going to be used. And the poor kid... But didn't he say he'd gutted someone for it or something? (laughs) (laughs) Telling this sweet little campsite story (laughs) to this kid. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit... Uh, You just could see it, couldn't you, that he was going to use it to kill somebody. And obviously he ends up getting chased by one of the aliens when we're having this big battle at the end. And yeah, lo and behold, the alien can't get him because he's in this sort of little rabbit hole, but he can open his stomach up and the hands from inside come and he stabs him through the heart. And I was just like, right, okay, fair enough. Let's let's move on quickly. But I think there's some great <laughs> action sequences in it. Like I say, I, I'm absolutely shitting on it at the moment, but I think it's more as we talk about it. It's just there's no logic to anything that's going on. It's just it's so far-fetched. And I know most films are and they're, they're total fiction, but it, there's not even a believability about any of this has happened. I mean, we saw it with Back to the Future 3, Dave. They had to push a train up to 88 miles an hour. There's no way these people are fighting aliens with all this technology in the future and killing them. I'm sorry. I'm not having <laughs> yeah. it. You know, I still stand by Doc Brown's time travel uh, situation. I believe that's right. But this is just nonsense. It, it really, it's a good romp. It's a two hour film of, it's a Saturday afternoon. As I've said a few times, a Saturday afternoon movie where you just sit there, not think about anything, maybe look at your phone quite a lot when you're watching it or do something else, but just to watch it as a bit of a romp. It's not horrendous. It's just one of, it's just, I don't know, it's just average, really, an average idea and an average execution, really. What do you reckon to the twist of Ella's character that she's actually an alien, but she's not She's not the same as the other aliens. She's been part of this race that, that's been wiped out, so she's trying to help the humans. Well, actually, that's the one point I'm going to bring up, and thank you for mentioning that. I probably would have forgotten. Now, we mentioned about... I'm, just, I'm leading up to that, Dave, trust me. We're leading up to this situation we've had. They all basically get captured, don't they, by the Native Americans. Dave, come on now. I've, I've mentioned that he, he's playing Raiders of the Lost Ark. Don't you think they completely ripped off Return of the Jedi when the Ewoks capture them all and they're around the fire? Oh, Fucking even the sound. Hell. Some, some yeah. of the sound effects and, the, you know, at the end with the cheer in it, it is when, just when, the Ewoks, when, when the Ewoks it? put that, that actual, uh, put the knife into San Solo's face and he goes, you know, quit pointing at my face or whatever and pushes out his hand. Pointing out things yeah, somewhere yeah, else. It's just like, <laughs> he even does that with the, the Indian. I'm like, Fucking hell, we need his Princess Leia and we needed uh, Luke Skywalker and him upside down on a piece of rope tied up. And so I was just like... And then when we did get our C-3PO bit, Dave, didn't we? Because obviously Luke lifts C-3PO up and they're like, oh my God, he's a god. He's using the Jedi you know, mind tricks and stuff, the Force. And that's what happens. She ends up coming out of the fire and they go from wanting to kill everybody to let's all sit around the fire and have a bit of a chat. I was just like, oh, my God, he was just <laughs> nicked this so much from Star Wars. It's unbelievable. And he also had the, you know, the good word from the from his little Indian man boy, you know, uh, as well, who spoke up for him, which, again, I, I thought the way he treat, the way Harrison Ford's character treated him was was off. It's intended to be off, you know, because this this little kid is obviously, you know, he looks up to uh to dollar hide uh, and he's just completely like you know basically racist to him isn't he he's just treating him like a piece of shit 
But yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought too much, but it was when they, you know, skip into the you know to the end briefly, it was when they blew up the aliens and I th- I if I closed my eyes, it was just like, ah, oh, this is Return of the Jedi, this. <laughs> yeah. Totally it was, wasn't it? You you're so right. It's it, it's it's a bizarre mix and nick and, and tribute to certain things. And when they're trying to tribute stuff, it doesn't look like a tribute or a little nod. It just like a complete rip-off, doesn't well, it, really? I guess we, you know, and, and over on our other podcast, VHS Strikes Back, we had 20th Century Geek, so Scott from there. Um, we were going through the original uh, Terminator from 1984. Now, to be fair, because I'm going to jump on the other side of the fence here, Chris, now, Arnie has 18 lines in that movie, but most of them are the iconic lines that are reused over and over again in all of his other movies. And I guess, you know, we kind of give him a free pass, don't we? Because when he says, like, you know, I'll be back, we're like, oh, great, he got it in this one as well. Whereas this, I kind of agree with you that it's just like, oh, that's just ripping off something that's previously there. So I am going to call out our hypocrisy a little bit because I'm I'm going to assume, Chris, that you agree with me that, you know, it, it's very similar, isn't it, where Arnie's reusing those original lines that were used in the term, that first appeared in the Terminator, but we kind of love it. <laughs> well, Dave, I'm sorry. Just like my complete blind love for No Cheat No Sender 3, you can never slag Arnie off. He can do it as many times as he wants. <laughs> I think you're right, That's to be it. fair. All joking aside, you are. You're completely correct. Like I give Daniel Craig a pass for just being James Bond in this. I don't know what it is. Maybe as Harrison Ford's older, I don't think he's ever been able to let slip that he's, he's aging, a bit like Stallone. He always has to play the tough guy, doesn't he? No matter how old he is, he's always going to be that guy who can punch out some 20 year old lad or something. So maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't, I can't work out why I feel this way about him in this. I just, it just doesn't sit with me well at all. It, it's definitely deliberate though. And I, I didn't know that line, you know, cause we never, we, we sort of keep our research separate. Don't we going into this movie? I'll look at the comics and you'll, you'll look at the movie. And, and I hadn't realized that they were really going for that James Bond slash Han Solo thing. And, I think, I I just think there's something off about how it's done, you know, where you, I'm sure you can do it well or you can do it like it's a cheap imitation. And this felt, to me, a bit more like a cheap imitation. Yeah, it did. I agree. I totally agree, Dave. Now, what what I would say about the, the switch with Ella, I mean, I, I'm just trying to think back to watching this the first time, and I, and I think I enjoyed it the first time I watched it. But Olivia Wilde's character, she I don't know if it was her makeup, the lighting they were using, she did look a little oh. bit strange on the screen. So, you know, I'm not saying she looked like an alien because she's lovely, but she did kind of look already like an alien, you know, before we find out she is. So I was always thinking there's something not quite right with her. And and she obviously, you know, we'd found out through this story, she obviously knew something about Daniel Cray's character but wasn't giving him the full story. Um, But I kind of feel like it was the writers going, okay, so we've got this smoking hot actress. How can we get her naked? Okay, let's work backwards from that. (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah, she has to be an alien and she has to resurrect and, and therefore, you know, she's going to go up in this fire and she'll be naked in front of everyone. There we go. Nailed it. Let's do lunch. Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. I think as well, the one thing you're saying about the way she looks, she always looks slightly different. I think she had contacts in. She had very much Vin Diesel sort of pitch black type contacts in, didn't she? Her eyes were very piercing, like the sort of bluey white uh, haze to him. So I think that probably gave a little bit away. Because I kept thinking that, thinking there's something not right. But even watching yeah. this a second time, I forgot about that bit with her being killed and being resurrected. I totally forgot, Dave. I, I mean, I must have really not liked it the first time I watched it. So, <laughs> Or, uh, you know, I always say, you know, one of the greatest crimes a movie can commit is just that it's forgettable and just not really relevant. You know, Dark Phoenix. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the fact that you didn't remember that what's intended to be a major plot twist, I think, is, is it says a lot. It does, to be fair. Now, obviously, we're at the end of the film. Jake gets into their sort of... It's a spaceship, we realise, don't we? And and he ends up with getting the one who he actually had a flashback how his wife died, that she'd basically been having experimented on and was turned into dust. I mean, maybe John Favreau used that when he was with the Russo brothers, Dave, doing Avengers, I don't know, maybe because he got dusted of what his wife did. And he shows <laughs> how he actually got away for some reason the alien conveniently put his hand wrist weapon next to him and he used it to sort of scar him and it showed at the end that this alien had come for revenge and he to kill him and he ends up being saved by again like you said the guns don't work but in certain points of the film the bullets do and a dollar hide Han Solo comes in and, and saves the day and, and they both sort of kill him and then he ends up with Ella ends up at the top of the ship once they've got out of there and it's going off into space and she just blows the whole thing up, doesn't she? And these, these, it's just not a lot. It gets, gets our Ewok moment, doesn't it? You know, uh, you just want the music to kick in then. (laughs) The return of the Jedi music. Yeah. It's pretty weak. And then obviously once this has happened, they return to all the people who have been captured are still there. So we've got Emma, the sheriff, we've got, uh, Doc's wife, she's there, and we've got, obviously got Dollarhide's son as well. And Dollarhide's son, luckily, has had a lobotomy, and he's gone from being an absolute arse to being a real good stand-up guy. And he goes into the <laughs> bar and says, you know, I'm really sorry about that, Doc. And he's like, oh, no problem, no problem, you know, and all this nonsense. And then the next minute, Dollarhide's this sort of absolute pillar of the community, buys yeah, everyone around the drinks. I was like, this is sort of like an episode of EastEnders with Phil Mitchell. It was just <laughs> nonsense. And then obviously Jake comes, they shake hands, and he's like, I could do with a guy around here like you. Yeah, I know you could. And then he just goes off into the distance. And yeah. I think he had it more before where you said it's it's more like an episode of Bonanza. It just happened to have aliens and it's all wrapped up nicely with a bow at the end. I I just. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant with a bow at the end. I've got to give you that name. That That was an unintentional pun, but uh, (laughs) it works quite well when you're talking about cowboys and aliens. I do do think that That the. The movie should really be called Cowboys, Indians and Aliens, I think, shouldn't it? You know, because the Indians do a a decent job at the end there as well. But um, I I think that might have have brought more people in, maybe, you know, subverting the whole genre. 
But I have to say, one of the, you mentioned about his wife getting killed off there because he'd had these hazy callbacks, hadn't he? He obviously knew he was with this woman, didn't know, didn't remember who she was or anything. Um, and we find that we found out that you know he'd taken all the gold back to his, and that's what the aliens were after. So that so it's his fault that his, him and his wife got abducted. But the bit where you know the alien surgeon is operating on her there, I found that really quite gruesome to be honest because mm. you couldn't actually see what was happening but you could hear it and you could see that you know a whole body was kind of being moved around you know by what whatever was going off camera and i thought you know in terms of haunting images and haunting scenes and stuff i i thought that one had the desired effect i i did think that was a pretty good haunting scene yeah i agree i agree dave like I say, it's just not a bad film. It's not a great film, is it? Shall we uh, go into our review, Dave? Let's go. So, Dave, I do believe it's you this week first, if that's okay. Yeah, okay. So, as I mentioned earlier, I did take two watches of this to really kind of triangulate my own thoughts on it because I went through it the first time and I, it was my fault. I wasn't paying attention and I just thought it was pretty awful. The second time, I did enjoy it a bit more. I do think it's it's a little bit of its time of its time in that there were a lot of mashups you know, that were in vogue at the time. So I kind of forgive the fact that, you know, it's it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit silly, you know, because we've got nothing in history that suggests that, that we've got aliens. Um, not that we have anything in history that says we have Superman either, but you know what I mean? I'll forgive all of that. But I just don't really feel like it's a great movie. And and the reason I'm, I guess I'm starting off with why I think it should be a great movie is just you look at the cast, this all-star cast, and it really deserves to be a top movie. Now, what I will say is I'm not a massive Westerns fan. I can kind of watch some of them, um, but it's really not my my favorite genre. So again, I'm, I'm, I've got that kind of bias in my mind, but I know about it, so I, I'm trying to be objective with it as well. I don't think, I mean, apart from the poor box office return, I don't think this really sets up for a sequel anyway. You know, unless, I guess you could have more aliens come, you know, so Cowboys and Aliens 2 could just be called More Aliens. Um, I don't think the aliens were a good antagonist. I, I just think we weren't bought into them. I thought they looked okay but just okay you know it's not as iconic as like the aliens trilogy from the the Ridley, the original ridley scott um franchise and so i i've ummed and awed about this i think this is like i say it's an okay movie so i'd kind of put it right in the middle but i'm going to i'm going to mark it down i'm actually going to send it to hell's kitchen because when you put that kind of budget into a movie and you have that kind of cast you know available at your disposal you really should be making a much better movie than this what i would say is there's a slight caveat to that if you've got nothing it's sunday afternoon and it comes on the tv and you haven't seen it before then by all means just watch it switch your brain off and and you know it, it's not terrible but um yeah 
that's that's where I'm going to send it. Is Hell's Kitchen? Oh, good stuff, Dave. So, I was umming and ahhing as well. I think I've really gone to town on this. I think the the whole concept of it is absolutely ludicrous. You know, saying that as I love Endgame and all these other films that should not make any sense, but they just do. I just don't think the world's fleshed out. I think the the cowboy elements of it. Fantastic, definite throwback to the 60s and 50s films, without a doubt. Daniel Craig's great. Yes, he wears Indiana Jones fedora. Happy with that as a little nod. As you know, I love the little fanboy things in films, even if I'm not a big fan of them, of The Razor of the Lost Ark and that. I just genuinely like that sort of little nod. Some of the other nods to Star Wars were just utter ridiculous and, and just rip-offs. He just went far beyond being a fan. It just was nonsense. It's like they run out of ideas. and. It's just quite an empty, plodding film. But again, I agree with you, Dave. If, if you if you want something to watch for a couple of hours, take your brain away. And it's not a bad film. It's just not very good. And again, I, I am the same, Dave. I really want to put it in the middle. I really do, but I can't. I, I just genuinely can't. I can't put it in Hall of Justice at all. There's just too many things that just don't make any sense. And Harrison Ford, again, unfortunately, just annoys me. So I'm sending it to Hell's Kitchen, Dave. Almost, almost a phantom zone. I didn't think I was going to do it until we started the review. I thought I was going to be right in the middle. But there's just too much that you've got to forgive to, to say this is a good film. So, yeah, I'm exactly the same. Very good, very good. Now, have you got any plugs for us, Chris? I have, Dave, yes. So if you want to get in contact with the show, guys, on Twitter, at Comics in Motion P. If you want to email the show, the Comics in Motion podcast at gmail.com. And also our other podcast, which you mentioned today, the VHS Strikes Back. If you want to follow us there, get onto your podcast catching up. And we're at episode 11, where we've just done The Terminator. But we did do Raiders of the Lost Ark in episode 10. And I do not like that film. So please get over there, guys, and give them a listen. It's just basically all movies from the VHS era. And there's a nice wide variety of different ones. And we do throw in there some absolute turkeys as well. So that's a really good listen. Now, Dave, I was going to throw it over to you and say, have you got anything to lead us out? But <laughs> I've actually got something today, my friend. Wow. Two two podcasts on the tross. Yeah, I'm bringing it back. I've had a bit of a slide. I used to be the man to throw us out, didn't it, with the last line, and I've really <laughs> slipped off. Not that this is going to be funny or anything, but anyway, I'm going to quote one of the characters, Dave. Now, his name's Mikam, and he's actually the preacher, a.k.a. Clancy Brown III, a.k.a. the Kurgan, a.k.a. out of SpongeBob SquarePants. And I think the best way to describe this is a line he says towards the start of the film, and he simply says... Don't yank on it. It's not your pecker. We'll see you next time. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. Tim Xavier. Go fuck yourself. What in the ass? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound. Let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. Would you care to step outside? Come to me, son of Jerome! Kneel before Zor! Why so serious? What's but a smile on that face? I am Iron Man. I'm Batman. And me? Goody. Oh, hey! Hey!